Welcome in to Two for One Drafts, PFF's Rookies and Draft Prospects Podcast. I'm Austin Gale with my guy, Mike Renner. We have a ton of fun on the schedule today. We're going to start with a little mock draft action. That drops on PFF.com today, and it's going to be a very good one, courtesy of my guy, Mike Renner, here. We're also going to go What's on Tap, where we talk about some of the top prospect matchups of the weekend. Man, what a weekend we have. Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa. There is a ton to break down this weekend. I am so excited. I'm getting chills. And then you also have our draft special segment. That's where we're going to talk about some rookie matchups to watch in the NFL. It's not as good as the Saturday slate, but I mean, you're going to be hungover. You're going to be excited. I think you could get into it on Sunday, yeah, but Saturday, Saturday is the crown jewel. Mm-hmm. It's going to be an absolute full send of a day. I am looking forward to that. Let's get through this mock draft stuff here. First, give me your high level takeaways from this mock draft. When you put this thing together, looking at this class overall and slotting these first 32 picks. Yeah. So this is like one of the unique things we do at PFF. A lot of people, when they do a mock draft, they're predicting what will happen that's like usually the point of mocks ours this one is what we would do we take over as gm for every single team and then we say what we would do and so you're not going to see a lot of running backs in the first round of a pff uh, mock like this you're not going to see a lot of linebackers you're not going to see a lot of guards (laughs) you're going to see a lot of wide receivers edge defenders cornerbacks quarterbacks because i mean it goes back to the theory of if you draft the best center in the nfl you know, highest paid center in the NFL is Mitchell Morse. He makes $12 million a year. You draft an average tackle, they're going to make $13, million, you know, $13 $14 million mm-hmm. a year. Donovan Smith makes more than you know, a terrible tackle, and Donovan Smith makes more <laughs> than Mitch Morse. You get the best tackle in the NFL, you're saving yourself you know, $15 million a year by that rookie you're, contract. You're not versus, just chasing yeah. good players. You're not There's just chasing value. good prospects. You're chasing good value. And that Especially starts at the top with, of the draft. And that starts with attacking valuable positions. Yes. And so that's why you're going to see a lot of, uh, like I just said, those value positions in this first round. And the good thing is wide receiver class is incredible. Whew. Offensive tackle class is the best we've seen in our six years of grading. Which comes at such a good time, too, because the NFL needs offensive tackle talent like it needs to breathe. There are so many teams right now that have bad offensive linemen. They're paying Donovan Smith Mm -hmm. all of that money to be bad. You need to bring in some talent, and I think this class, go get one of these guys. And that's the thing about both the wide receiver class and the tackle class. Do not wait. It's not one of those where it's like, oh, it's a deep class. Let me go. Uh, Especially with the wide receiver class, Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, I believe are very special number one wide receiver talents to where if you're at the top of the draft, you know, top 10, need a wide out, need a number one wide out. Don't just say, oh, it's a deep class. We'll find one on the wrap. You might find a nice number two on the wrap. You're not going to find Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb on the wrap. Those guys are special prospects in my opinion. So take them highly. Maybe then after that, you can wait to the second round because it is a deep class. And then at offensive tackles, take them highly as well because uh, there are some studs in this class. So Kick it off. Let's get to our favorite picks. Let's go to our favorite picks here. We got to start with Tua Tagovailoa going to the Washington Redskins. Yes, and I truly believe that the Cardinals set the precedent for moves like this to happen more in the future because as much as they got sort of roasted throughout the draft process, you know, oh, they gave up on Josh Rosen, you know, the talk of that. I think we're seeing this year with how, you know, they've turned it around since last year and how good Kyler Murray looks as a rookie and how bad you know Josh Rosen still looked, people are more willing to say, oh, you know, if it didn't work out, if you think a guy is a better prospect than the young quarterback you got, because they took Dwayne Haskins at, what, 15, I think it was? Middle of the first round, two guys went before him at the quarterback position. They did not have their number one choice at quarterback there. They didn't get to get their number one choice. 
if you have, you know, two attack a little higher, if you have a higher grade on him coming out than you did Dwayne Haskins, you would be idiotic not to make that move unless Haskins balls out down the stretcher. Now, obviously, that's a possibility. What we've seen from him so far, though, not great. So I think if the Washington Redskins do end up in a position where they can take a guy like that, they're going to go take him because it the incremental change at the quarterback position going from anything, you know, going even from average to good, uh, below average to average, that incremental change is so much more valuable than any sort of other position player you could feasibly draft there at the top of the draft that I do think that even if Chase Young is staring them in the face there, they would be stupid not to go with a quarterback. I think a lot of you know Washington Redskins fans would be surprised if they went after Tua Tagovailoa given that they do have Dwayne Haskins yeah. on the roster, but... Talk to me about Tua Tagovailoa as a prospect. Obviously, they had the injury recently, but leave that out of it. What are you seeing from Tua Tagovailoa? What do you? See, how do you see him fitting into this class? Yeah, so he's a true junior, and when you compare, you know, I, I think that has to be taken into account to some degree because you got guys like Daniel Jones last year was a senior, Joe Burrow even coming out as a redshirt senior, you know, two years older than Tua Tagovailoa. So for him to have the pocket presence that he does. Uh, you know, the decision-making, only three turnover-worthy throws all season long so far this year. To be that good, uh, that young, I think has value. It has to be taken into account. You can't, it's not just apples to apples because if you look at what Burrow did, you know, even last year as a redshirt junior, you know, even a year older, was way, way worse than Tua Tagovailoa. So you expect some sort of upward trend uh, in his career. And so those things are great. Like I said, his pocket presence his decision-making, all great. Arm strength, not uh, top end, not near what Justin Herbert's is, probably not even as good as Burrow's. Uh, and then the special throws down the football field, he just hasn't had to make them. So that's why we'll get to it a little bit. This game against LSU is huge. This is an NFL secondary, basically, that he's <laughs> facing. All of those guys will be playing in the NFL. So for him to be making, you know, if you make special throws in this game, he could bump his draft stock, off, uh, stock up a ton. But it, it's one of those things where... He succeeded. He still has a pass ring of like 144 without needing to make those special throws. And we've talked about it. If you don't have to, you know, push the ball down the football field, if you can get the job done by just dinking and dunking, that's a good thing to have as a quarterback. That's a good, you know, trait is to not force the ball when you don't need to. And looking at Tua Tagovailoa, specifically his clean pocket passing performance, right now he ranks tied for eighth in clean pocket passing grade. He also ranks inside the top 10 in adjusted completion percentage when kept clean, a 90.8 passing grade when kept clean, 23 touchdowns, zero picks, when kept clean. But here's, here's, and I think this speaks to a lot of what you said, only five big-time throws. Yeah. When kept clean, he does not need to make those special throws yeah. into tight windows down the field. He's getting it done without doing it. This is why, and again, I'm only kind of echoing what you said, but in this game, he's going to have to make some special throws to yes. win it because you're going against Derek Stingley, Christian Fulton, Grant Delpit. You're going to have to force some things here, uh -huh. and if he makes these throws in this one, picks up three or four big-time throws without turnover-worthy plays, you're talking about a guy that is going to be cemented into the top three of this draft class, and if Washington's picking at two, I think they pull the trigger. Mm -hmm. I agree. Here we go. Let's go on next That's why year. That's him there. But. Yeah. Well, we, we, we <laughs> talked Christian Fulton. A favorite pick of mine in your mock draft is Christian Fulton to Tampa Bay. First, because Christian Fulton is fantastic, great in man coverage, a sticky corner, very athletic. I think he is going to translate. His skills are going to translate mm -hmm. in the NFL. I think he might even be better than Greedy Williams Ooh. is where we're at with, with Christian agree. With Christian Fulton and Tampa Bay, I think a bigger part of the conversation, similar to Washington a little bit, they've invested resources in the, in the secondary. MJ Stewart, we talked about it on the Tuesday podcast, MJ Stewart, yeah, Brian like Hargraves, the they've dumped, they've dumped top 100 picks in yeah. the secondary and have, have missed a lot. 
this guy isn't a miss. You continue to go. You continue to take shots until you hit. And with Christian Fulton, I think this would be a great fit for Tampa Bay and really help them find that corner they've been searching for in recent years. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's it's very similar to the Washington uh, sort of uh, conversation in that if you're bad at a position, it doesn't matter how many resources you've thrown at it. And it with the value as a valuable position as cornerback is, it doesn't matter that you've thrown resources at it in recent years. That's a sunk cost. Go at it and attack it again with a guy that is as talented as Christian Fulton, the top 10 player on our board, 89.7 coverage grade last year, 87.6 coverage grade this year, one of the best grading profiles of any cornerback in the country over the last year and a half. Go get your guy, a guy that's a true number one type of cornerback. And if you know all of a sudden Jamel Dean turns into a legit corner, uh, you know Carlton Davis turns into a legit corner. Oh wow, now we have multiple good corners. <laughs> oh, that's a good thing. You exactly. know, that, then you you know having three good cornerbacks is a necessity to be a good defense in the NFL today. So that's a good thing. If the guys who are on your roster, they like, oh, let them develop. It's a good thing if they all develop and be good. Uh, so I, I do think that still addressing cornerback position is something that Tampa Bay would be smart to do. Because if not, you run the risk of ending up like the Eagles, who said, oh, we have all these young cornerbacks. Let's let them develop. None of them ended up working mm-hmm. out. I have two things on that. One, it goes back to what Steve Palazzolo has said a ton of times, just draft good players. I don't care if you mm-hmm. drafted a cornerback in the first round a year ago. I don't care if you just signed one in free agency. Draft good players. If Christian Fulton is there, you take him. And two, I think another big thing about this is no team in the NFL has enough good cornerbacks. Not one. There's not a single team in the NFL that is like, you know, we're, we're good. We're stacked at this position. Yes. We don't need any more. Because every team needs depth, I mean, and every team needs high end. You need three cornerbacks that are high level, because all three start now. Look at the Patriots. They were they had the best secondary in the NFL probably last year. They have the best secondary in the NFL now. They drafted Joe Williams in the second round. <laughs> they drafted a cornerback in the second round, because you cannot have enough. And, you, and getting matchup weapons, getting guys who have a certain skill set, has value. Uh, in the NFL. So I do think it's with how much passing is dominating, you have to have, you have to keep addressing the cornerbacks. A favorite pick of yours, Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker safety type from Clemson going to the Denver Broncos yes. in your mock. Talk to me about this pick. Well, it's a Vic Fangio special. He loves those linebackers. They do so much work for him in that defense. And Isaiah Simmons, kind of a positionless guy. He just roams the middle of the field there for that Clemson defense. But he can cover so much ground, has a ridiculously long wingspan. I just trust that Vic Fangio would put him in the right position to be a playmaker in that Broncos defense. And like I said, Vic Fangio has coached some of the best uh, linebackers in the NFL. And go back to San Francisco when he had Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman. He knows you know, how to scheme a defense uh, to feature that position. Isaiah Simmons going to the Broncos, I think, would would be a it's not necessarily a value position in a lot of defenses I think it'd be a very valuable addition for that Broncos team. So I think with Isaiah Simmons conversation I think I see a lot of draft pundits and and, and you know draft analysts look at him and say what's the right position for him in the NFL. I want to ask mm-hmm. you what's the wrong position? Where how do you fail with Isaiah Simmons in the NFL? Obviously putting him at punter would be a failure. But I'm saying <laughs> How can you play? Because he is a unique player. He has this like positional versatility. He's not a guy that you can just throw out there and, and play anything. What, how could you wrongly play Isaiah Simmons, you think? I'm not sure there's a wrong way. I think he just his coverage ability, his athleticism will play. Now, I, I do think if you're going to just line him up between the tackles and uh, ask him to be 
you know, a normal linebacker, I don't think you're going to be tapping completely into his mm-hmm. potential. I think he can be much, much more than that. You know, asking him to blitz a ton, I don't think that's who he is. I think you want him dropping. I think even if you're a team that plays a lot of cover two and putting him as the Mike linebacker where, you know, he, he drops deep a lot would be a great role for him as well. So I don't think there's necessarily a wrong role for him. Uh, but I think anything that's, uh, like I say, you know, defense like a cover two where it asks the linebackers to do a lot, uh, cover four and cover six asks the linebackers to do a lot as well. So zone defenses like that where you're asking the guy to uh, cover a lot of ground over the middle of the field, I think those are where his best fits would be. Six foot four, two hundred and thirty pounds. Do you see him potentially kind of taking on a role similar to what you know Jamal Adams and Derwin James have done in that they can play a lot of different things, rush the passer and do those things, or is it is it not that versatile? No, I, I don't think he's actually that great of a pass rush. I, I mm-hmm. think his speed plays, he's not explosive taking on blocks necessarily gotcha. like even uh Jalen Smith was coming out. So uh, I'm not sure that's his best bet and uh, playing the run, he's not going to be special against the run, I don't think. But it's the coverage ability that uh, is where he's really rare. All right, let's go to one of my favorite picks in your mock here. AJ Epinesa, the Iowa Edge defender, the big Iowa Edge defender. Mm-hmm. This guy's like six, what six foot five, two hundred seventy seven pounds. That's a big horse, dude. He goes to the Oakland Raiders in your latest mock draft. He had some pass rush help after they tried to add pass rush help in Cleveland Farrell. Talk to me about your evaluation of Epinesa. He has not had the same pass rush production that he had in 2018, but you're still not worried about this guy. You still see him as a first-round talent. Yeah, I still think he's a first-round talent. He's now playing a ton more snaps. He's already rushed the passer more this season than he did all of last year. But while his grades dipped, I think a lot of that has to do with Iowa, their scheme. They're not letting him get after it and you know fire off the line of scrimmage but because when we saw him you know fire off so there's a lot of run reads so he doesn't he has to stand up right away and then hands fight i don't think that's going to be him if he fires off line of scrimmage he is probably the best bull rusher in college football right now outside chase young chase young obviously does it all but he is the best bull rusher he just exploded through tackles last year as a true sophomore and so i think we're going to bank on the fact that we've seen it happen when he has gotten in a role where he gets to attack we've seen it work out so i'm not too worried about the fact that his production has dipped a little i mean he still has 37 pressures this year so that's that's still a pretty good pace that he's on what's unfortunate not because i want to see him against better competition like i would say about group of five players but i want to see aj vanessa at the senior bowl because he could have those opportunities to just fire off in one-on-ones because i think he would light it up but he is a true junior he won't be at the senior bowl but i think with aj vanessa that dip in pass rush production i think a lot of it is that scheme they're not asking him to pin his ears back Mm -hmm. and throw himself at the quarterback he does a lot of run fits etc um a guy you really like, Ashton Davis, California safety. Yeah. I don't know why I always say California. Everyone calls him Cal. Cal safety. He's a great, uh, great uh, defensive back, uh, elite athletic profile, very fast, great closing speed. He goes to the Dallas Cowboys yeah. in your mock, which I am a huge fan of. This one's I'm probably going to be mocking a ton over the next you know five, six months because it's just such a great fit. Uh, the, he is uh, a very rangy safety, and then you go to a defense that has so much speed over the middle of the field. Jalen Smith. Leighton Van Der Esch. I mean, Sean Lee had a good-ass game this past weekend as well. Uh, putting him in that defense where the safeties, you know, and Xavier Woods and Jeff Heath have just been kind of guys there. Mm-hmm. For, I mean, not, not playmakers there in the middle of the field. Adding another one, I, I think you would just do so much to shut down the middle of the field for opposing offenses that that, that would be sort of the missing link to why the Cowboys defense really hasn't been uh, you know, one of the like it was last year, one of the better defenses in the NFL. It's just kind of been meh this season. I think that's what they're missing is one more guy there in that middle of the field. 
Let's move forward to Marvin Wilson, the Florida State defensive interior, going to the Minnesota Vikings. Big reason why I love this one is because they already have that edge presence in Daniil Hunter Mm -hmm. and Everson Griffin. You throw a guy like Marvin Wilson, who is a big dude that can rush the passer and and, and can really win one-on-one blocks with speed, quick off the snap. Marvin Wilson in Minnesota makes that pass rush next level. And they already have a very good defense. They have some players in the secondary. I think Zimmer continuing to build Mm -hmm. that defense and invest in it. Marvin Wilson... I really do love him as a player and that fit in Minnesota. Yeah, I think it fits right along that defensive line in terms of you got Linville Joseph at the nose. He's the three technique. Both can stuff the run, uh, but both add a little bit as a pass rusher. Marvin Wilson's taking his pass rush to the next level this year. Uh, and I think the interesting thing with him is that this D-tack class, all seniors, Kinlaw, Derek Brown, Raekwon Davis, all seniors. He's a junior. And he's putting up these numbers that are better than all these other guys put up as a junior. So... Uh, I do think that he, the Minnesota Vikings don't have a ton of holes in their roster. That's one hole that, if plugged, D, could take that D-line to the, you know, the next Jesus. What? I know. <laughs> I've never heard that before. That's one hole that, if plugged, I mean, come on. There's next level, dude. Uh, about we just next level ability. That is incredible, by the way. I am, I am, he's, he's a hole plugger. He's, he, I mean, and if he plugs it, <laughs> we're talking about an absolute celebration here. Um Let's go to our next favorite pick here, another hole to plug. Josh Jones to the Miami Dolphins, the left tackle for the University of Houston. He's a guy that, if invited to the Senior Bowl, can't wait to see him in one-on-one matchups. Josh Jones has looked very good mm-hmm. against Group of Five competition. I think he, you know, you love his athleticism. You, you do think his technique's a little sloppy. You've said yes. that before. He needs to get reworked from a technical standpoint. But he has all the tools to be an elite left tackle in the NFL, and every team needs one. I mean, there's a couple teams that have him, but I think every team needs, uh, needs a next one for sure. Yeah, and this would be you know a circle of life sort of pick this was the the pick that they traded away 25 here was the texans pick that they traded laramie tunsil away for now you get the guy to plug the hole yeah. of laramie tunsil there <laughs> wow. so uh he he goes to the left tackle houston very athletic very long has all the traits and has the is the highest graded draft eligible tackle in college football right now uh i i think he's going to work his way into the first round conversation with the performance at senior bowl i truly believe that his hands are fantastic, and we've seen it now for three years. He has a pass blocking grade over 80 each of the last three seasons. Um, I, I do, like I said, I do think he needs to be reworked a little bit. He's going to uh, maybe struggle out the gate, but you don't need the Dolphins don't need a guy to impact next year. Actually, it'd be great if a guy sucks next year at left tackle <laughs> and then turns it on after that, so they can you know tank for Trev. Tank. Yeah. Uh, with Josh Jones, I think he could also light up the combine a little bit. I think he could have a sneaky good combine mm-hmm. as an offensive tackle. That would be, that'd be good to watch in the offseason, draft season, as we're calling it. My, one of my favorites I had to call out here, Cameron Dantzler, the Mississippi State cornerback, the long press corner for Mississippi State, going to New Orleans Saints yeah. with Marshawn Lattimore. Eli, uh, Eli Apple is a free agent. Not Eli sure Apple if he is retained. Agent. But then you also have you know, Von Bell and uh, Marcus Williams. That secondary, you add that piece to it. Cameron Dantzler and Marshawn Lattimore opposite of each other. That could be a sticky man press coverage defense, yes. and I would really love to see that, especially at the back end of the first round. You can get a guy like that, play him right into your scheme. I mean, that mm-hmm. that's exciting. Yeah, I love Dantzler. He's moved way up my board this year because he's sort of shown a more diverse skill set than we saw last year. Last year was kind of just press. It was a lot of his targets. Uh, and anytime a guy just playing press coverage, you've got to see him do – you just want to see him do a little more of that because as much as you know, even the most man-heavy defenses, even the New England Patriots, are only playing man or man sort of concepts 60, 65% of the time. you got to be able to do a little bit of something else there. So 
Cameron Dantzler has shown that this year has made some great plays in zone coverage. Uh, but then he also, you know, he goes against LSU, goes against Jamar Chase, bodies him to the sideline, has a great pass breakup in that game. It does one of the few corners that doesn't get torched uh, against that LSU juggernaut. So I, I think going there where, like I said, Eli Apple going to be a free agent. He has a similar sort of size profile to Eli Apple, could just fit in seamlessly there. Uh, probably better than Eli Apple, to be honest. There you go. That's going to do it for our favorite picks from PFF Mike's Mock Draft. You can check that out on PFF.com as early as today. Fantastic stuff, Mike. Really appreciate you putting in the work. Let's go to What's on Tap. This is going to be the best segment of the pod. I am jacked. What's on Tap is the segment where we preview some of the top top prospect matchups and also just games we're most excited to watch on Saturday with beer in hand. And we got to start. uh, We're not. We're not going to start. Seltzer in hand. Sorry, (laughs) we're watching cows here. we're not going to start with the crown jewel. Let's 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 tease it a little yeah. bit. Let's go Penn State at Minnesota. Big Ten matchup. Still a good one. Still a very good one. I I, I want to start with Bro the boat. Yatur Grossmatos. He's a guy I think in the in the offseason prior to this year was getting hyped up a little bit. People really liked his athleticism, liked his tools. Um, where have you seen Yatur Grossmatos take his game this year? I, I think he's definitely has much more of an approach. Last year it kind of seemed like he was he knew what moves he should be doing. Uh, but it looked like he had just learned like what the move was. And it looked like some guy was like practicing his moves. It almost looked like he was uh, going through the motions just because that's what he thought he should do. I think he's made the leap to that sort of uh, reading the offensive tackle and then reacting off of that instead of planning what he was going to do prior to. So he looks much more comfortable off the edge, much more of a plan as a pass rusher. Already has more pressures this year than he did all of last year. Uh, He's moved way up our board because of that. I mean, we need to see production as a pass rusher. We've seen in our grading that 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 guys who do not have production in college just do not rarely, if ever, make it in the NFL, rarely, if ever, produce. So that's one thing we need to see, and I think we've seen that to a degree this year to where we feel comfortable, probably still not in the first-round conversation, but, I mean, he's been, I don't want to say getting better every single week, but we've seen it uh, now for, he just has not had a lot of dud games on his schedule here so far. So uh, I think this is a nice, uh, a nice favorable matchup for him to beat up on some average tackles. Penn State edge defender, your Turgros Matos, or Jabari Zuniga of Florida. Who's I don't better? think this one's close. I think really? it's your Gross Matos. Wow. One is junior, and one is younger. And I think they're, they're similar uh, players in how they're yeah. deployed and, and their athleticism, but I think Gross Matos taking over Gr- Zuniga like that. And it's nice. Zuniga's wins are just kind of, it's one of those where it's like, that you never see it in the NFL. You never see a guy just run at the edge and then just rip, uh, and then that's it. Like Offensive tackles are better in the NFL. You have to have a little bit more of a... Uh, you have to set them up a little bit more than Zuniga does. Matos has gotten better. Gross Matos has gotten a lot better at setting offensive linemen up and winning, you know, in a number of different ways. Not just, not just uh, with one move. He has a number of different at this point. All right, we got two wide receivers in this one. One for yes. Penn State, the slot receiver KJ Hamler, and then also you have Tyler Johnson of Minnesota. Talk to me about these two receivers. First, go KJ Hamler. Hamler's been interesting. He's a slot guy, but he has some legit speed. I mean, he's probably going to run. Low four fours, maybe four threes. The dude Ooh. can get down the football field, but only five five nine one seventy three. So it's uh, I think at that point, I'm not sure if you're going to declare. He's a redshirt sophomore, uh, put up seven hundred fifty five yards as a redshirt freshman, six hundred twenty already this year. Uh, I love his ball skills down the football field in terms of the way he attacks the football, but does have nine drops, and I think there are more concentration drops at this point. But I think uh, for a slot receiver. 
drops is not a good thing to have because those are they're not like uh, high leverage targets. You can't have a guy dropping like five yard outs and stuff like that, or you know, routinely. And then, um, do you, do you want to bring in Jan- Johnson here? Oh yeah, Tyler Johnson. And yeah. so Tyler Johnson, uh, I I don't I, he hasn't slipped a bit in my mind. Uh, the drops are, are still an issue. Another guy who drops is going to be an issue. Over 10% drop rate each of the past, last year, over 10% drop rate this year. It's going to be a thing with him. He's not on pace for the same gaudy stats he was last year, but it's because Rashad Bateman, the sophomore there, is taking a much bigger role in that offense. He's been very good this year, getting a lot more targets. So I do believe Tyler Johnson, uh, though on a per-target basis, 145.5 passer rating when targeted this year. He's been very good, still gets open, one of the best route runners in college football. Um, he probably will be a guy, though, that gets kind of lost in the wide receiver class. I'd be surprised if he ends up a first-round pick. I think he's more going to be a second-round, uh, you know, probably in the range where, like, A.J. Brown. He's kind of in that range for me of the mm-hmm. A.J. Brown in terms of very good route runner, very productive. A.J. Brown had better hands. A.J. Brown was a little younger, so A.J. Brown, I think, was a better prospect, but that's kind of who he is uh, as a prospect. Right now, Tyler Johnson ranks inside the top 20 in PFF receiving grade. He's also hauled in six of nine contested catches. He does have five drops on the year. I do like his yards per out run, 3.03 average. I think he has been very good. He creates separation at an elite level, and that's what matters first and foremost. You drop passes, maybe you're not great in contested situations, but he's good in contested catch situations. He doesn't have a ton yes. because he's creating so much separation, but six of nine that points to me to good ball skills in, in traffic through through that kind of thing. So Tyler Johnson, I do really like him. I think in the second mm-hmm. round, I would jump at that. Yes, that's that's one of those where, um, like I said, so in this wide receiver class, Judy Lamb, don't pass on those guys. After that, I don't think the difference between Tyler Johnson and, say, T. Higgins, if you're thinking about T. Higgins at like 15, and Tyler Johnson, you think he's going to be there in the second round at 47 when you're on the wrap? Uh, that's not a huge difference. Maybe you pass on wide receiver at 15 then. We have another receiver to talk about in our next little game to watch here. Stanford at Colorado. LaVisca Chenault should be seeing a lot of Paulson at Debo. I think that is a great matchup to watch. I want to see LaVisca go against this guy and, and see if he can get these wide receiver wins we speak to on the podcast. Right, because Adebo at the beginning of the year had some games, you know, the UCF game, Oregon game, where he just got pants a handful of times in those his sort of uh, his downfield coverage ability the ability to stick with wide receivers got exposed he doesn't have great feet pretty clunky in his transitions on the football field but dude's ball skills are great we've seen in recent weeks has three picks over his last two games had two pass breakups in the game before that three weeks ago or four weeks ago excuse me against washington so he's come on strong of late i mean the ball skills probably as good as any cornerbacks in the country he has uh, something like uh, 30 plus uh, pass breakups plus INTs over the last two years, the last season and a half. Those are absurd numbers. Dude gets hand on football. So I want to see him against uh, LaVisca. I want to see some deep balls. Mm-hmm. Throw him some goddamn deep balls in this game. Let him work down the football field. Let them go head to head. I want to see whose ball skills better, who's coming up with those down the football field. It's just going to be a good one. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I think it's an, another one where. You're going to come back to this tape, but I'm not sure they're going to match up a ton with how they use LaVisca, unfortunately. 
That's the biggest thing with LaVisca, too, and I'm pulling up the stats now. Like You just want to see him have more opportunities on throws deep down the football field. Right now, he only has 10 receptions of 10-plus air yards, on throws of 10-plus air yards. That's just like, It's hard to evaluate a prospect. You compare that, compare that to a guy who only th- gets thrown the football behind the line of scrimmage, really, Kalijah mm-hmm. Lipscomb. He has six receptions of 10 yards uh, of 10 or more air yards. I think that's hard to project. You compare that to some other receivers in this class. I mean, you have guys like Gabriel Davis with over, over 30. You have Isaiah Hodgins <laughs> of Oregon State with, over, uh, with 31. Tyler Vaughn's 29. I want to see that production because it's easier to kind of evaluate a wide receiver prospect mm-hmm. when you can see if they can win downfield on a vertical route tree. Throw him the deep ball. Throw him the deep ball. Hopefully we see that yep. in this Stanford game against Paulson Debo. All right, it's time. It's time. We're doing it? It's, we're doing it. LSU at Alabama. This game has more prospects in it, more potential yeah. than any other game it's we've seen this year. It's going I mean, to be, it's gonna be the most we'll see this year. It is going to be incredible. Let's start with the quarterbacks. That's where everyone wants to go first. We already talked a little bit about them in the beginning. Two attack of Iloa. We, we said what we th- feel about him. Start with Joe Burrow of LSU. What can he do in this game to elevate his draft stock even further? I know he's been a rocket. Joe Burrow rocket up draft boards, uh-huh. but what can he do even further to get there? Well, I mean, I think if, this is one where if he just lights up Alabama the way he's lit up every single other team that he's played this year, you it's almost like you don't care what he does the rest of the year. You know he's going to be... Sit him the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, Trevor Lawrence. You light up Alabama's freshman in the national championship game, you're going to be... You're just going to be legit. Like, mm-hmm. Alabama's defense is an NFL sort of defense, not just in terms of the talent, but the way they're schemed, man coverage, press man, the coverage concepts that they're using are the same you're going to see in the NFL. So if you can light that up, with you know, with and obviously every team that's going up against Alabama is going to have sort of a a talent disadvantage. That defense is just loaded every single year. If you can light that up, then you're going to be a damn good NFL QB. I you know d- there's only a handful of guys who have done it over the years. Sean Watson one, Trevor Lawrence two. Uh, I think that's about it at this point. So if you can do that, I feel very very comfortable about you doing it at the NFL level. And Trevor Lawrence, right before lighting up the Alabama defense, lit up that fighting Irish defense, too. I know, loaded. I'm a loaded Irish. <laughs> if we wanted to bring that up. But um, other, let's talk other I prospects in this game. <laughs> other prospects in this game. Obviously, the quarterback position, that's where a lot of the spotlight will be, especially for teams like the Washington Redskins, Bengals, Dolphins, that yeah. are going to be eyeing a quarterback at the top of the 2020 NFL draft. But there is so much other talent in this, in this game that you have Stupid. to be watching elsewhere. Let's start with the LSU secondary. Grant Delpit, the safety. Christian Fulton, the cornerback we spoke to. Derek Stingley, the underclassman, the fake ID. The guy that yes. I drafted him in this first round right now. If they let me, right. just let me. Just let me do it. And then you also have on the opposite side, Jerry Judy. I'll, I'll probably a lock for That's a top a ten. Draft him. Then you got Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith. Like This, uh, this is yes. such a loaded you know, matchup on matchup. It's going to be a very good, very good game within the mm-hmm. game to watch Jerry Judy and company take on Fulton State. I think this is a good one for uh, Shaheem Carter, Xavier McKinney, the Alabama Shaheem Carter slot cornerback, Xavier McKinney, their safety, who plays a lot, a little more box role uh, for that defense against Justin Jefferson. Because You're just pass up. I just mentioned all this LSU secondary versus Alabama receivers, and you just flipped the script on me. Oh, my bad. That was dirty. I was just going to the, the matchup that I thought was the most <laughs> indicative because. Carter McKinney, because the way that L- where LSU's def- offense, excuse me, attacks a ton is mm-hmm. over the middle of the football field. They attack so much downfield over the middle, so that will be those two guys will, will they will get tested a ton 
Justin Jefferson will you know get a ton of targets. That's just he gets a ton of targets every single game. So they'll get tested a ton. That's a great matchup to watch for both those guys because it's tough to evaluate. Uh, you know, with guys who play over the middle of the football field in zone coverage, it's tough to be like, oh, that's a good pass off in zone. That's a good pickup in zone. It's just like it's not as easy to evaluate as if they're playing man coverage or if you're playing, you know, press on the outside. Those are way more easier skills to evaluate. So you need more of them. You need more opportunities to better evaluate guys uh, like that. So I think that's a very indicative one. But yeah, the uh, the other side of the football is just absurdly star studded in terms mm-hmm. of. Jerry Judy uh, going up against, so he moves around a ton, so he'll just see everybody. But Jerry Judy, you know, Grant Elpit, that that matchup's absurd in terms of where those guys will be drafted come next April. Probably two top ten picks going up against each other. I want to see Devontae Smith, though. I think it's a big game for Devontae Smith because we have questions about his route running. Mm -hmm. Can he actually get open against legit He's fast. We know he's fast. 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 Mm -hmm. Great ball skills. Can he get open? That's we're gonna find that out. Oh man, because he should see a handful of. I mean, he should see a mix I mean, of what either Fulton, one of those. Yeah, Fulton like, or Stingley. It's gonna be tough. Henry Ruggs too. I mean, that I, like I said, that matchup between the LSU secondary and the Alabama receiving core is the game within the game. Must watch TV. We're gonna be at the office watching it together. Maybe holding hands. I don't know. It's it's just gonna be an exciting time, and I'm I'm just really looking forward to you know experiencing with it, experiencing it with you. <laughs> um, Are we going to Burning Man or watching LSU? It's Alabama? hard to say. It's a mix of both. Probably Jamar Chase versus Trayvon Diggs. That's another matchup, too. You spoke yeah. to Justin Jefferson versus Xavier McKinney and company, but Jamar Chase, a very fast receiver. He's not going to be drafted in the 2020 NFL draft, but a guy that has shown a lot of talent. I think he might be the best receiver from a talent perspective on the LSU offense. I'd say Ooh. he's better than Justin Jefferson. He's going to go against Trayvon Diggs, who is yep. a, a big, freakishly athletic dude. Mm-hmm. For a rare athletic size yep. combination. I think this is a good matchup, too. And Diggs can sort of... So Cameron Dancer, we talked about him earlier, about how he did extremely well against LSU. Shut down Jamar Chase in those matchups. If Diggs can do the same, you would like, you would hope Diggs can do the same. You, you know, He has that absurd wingspan. Uh, I think they're going to play him in press a lot in this game. I would very much expect that. That's his bread and butter. So uh, that one, uh, obviously Chase has a lot of time to pump his draft stock up after this, only a sophomore. But Trayvon Diggs, this is it. Like This is his probably biggest matchup he's going to see all season long from a talent perspective. So uh, need to see him tick that box. Let's go to the trenches here. Raekwon Davis versus Lloyd Cushenberry. Going, going to be, I mean, it's crazy that for, with Alabama LSU, we're not starting with the trenches because that's usually where the strengths are for specifically for Alabama. But Raekwon versus Lloyd Cushenberry, what are you watching for in that one? I, I just want to see Raekwon do something as a pass rusher because Lloyd Cushenberry, great heading into the season, 85.6 pass blocking grade last year, 57.7. That's the LSU center. 57.7 pass blocking grade this year has gotten exposed by speed. Mostly. Raekwon mm-hmm. Davis, not really a speed guy. More, more Never of a has hands, more of a power guy. So who comes out on top in that one in the pass rushing matchup? Because LSU, I think they're going to have to pass a ton. I think both teams uh, stop the run well enough where I don't think the running game is what's going to decide this. I think it's going to be the QBs. It's going to be the pass game. We're going to see them drop back. It better be. 30 plus times like run, Each of them like run 40 times. I know. Like just throwing things at the TV. Not going to be fun to watch. Hashtag. But I, I do think that this matchup on the tre- in the trenches Big one for Cushenberry because he can come back to school. Uh, but if you play well on a big stage against a legit prospect, you, you can 
is people will forget about some of those other uh, ugly performances. On the opposite side, Chase on versus Leatherwood. I, mean, I think that's another one. Michael Divinity not going to be in this game. He leaves the team. Mm-hmm. But he, that, that other LSU edge defender, Chase on versus Leatherwood, I think this is another matchup. Yeah, I think Chase on still has a ton of work to do in terms of his pumping up his draft stock. Dude only has 11 pressures uh, all oh my season gosh. long. On 169 pass rushes. Now, they, do, they, they don't necessarily just let them pin their ears back. It's another scheme where he's not getting the most opportunities to rush the passer uh, cleanly. And when he did kind of in that Texas game, when you know Texas did have to pass, he was very good. I mean, he beat up uh, Samuel Cosme, the left tackle there for Texas, who we like. We just put in the first round of our mock. Uh, he beat him up better than any other edge rusher has this season. He is explosive. He's 6'4", 250, has all the traits you could want for an edge defender. But again, we're going to need to see that on-field production. You're going up against Alex Leatherwood, a guy who we love, very smooth, Offensive tackle, but maybe a little susceptible to the bull rush. Not mm-hmm. the not the powerful uh, offensive tackle that we see in, in Andrew Thomas, Tristan Wirfs. He's not that level, but he is smooth, and so he can mirror Chase On's athletic ability. But he can't hold up the bull rush. We'll see. This is a good matchup. Another another great matchup. So many great matchups in this one. But uh, we'll have to be reviewing it afterwards because you can't watch all these matchups every single play. That's just going to be it's just too much. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. Don't LSU Alabama. Give me your prediction for wins. give me yeah give me your prediction for this game who wins and what's LCA. the narrative coming out I think in addition to who wins what's the narrative coming out of this game narrative coming out is Joe Burrow like lock number one pick I think wow. I think he I think he just smokes him it, like he has just been too per- perfect in terms of how he's played football I think he goes in this game plays lights out you know three fifty four tutties no picks <laughs> something like that and that's the narrative coming out is LSU Burrow you know, who's going to stop this team. Uh, so I, I do think that, that that will be the narrative coming out. It, both teams are loaded, but I just think the way he's been playing football leads me to think that LSU has a better chance of continuing that offensive dominance in this game than Alabama. Wow, bold. I love it. Let's go Iowa at Wisconsin. A, a big match to watch here is the guy you mocked to the Oakland mm-hmm. Raiders that we talked to before, A.J. Epinesa, going against Cole Van Lannon, who got absolutely pantsed against Chase Young. This is an opportunity for Epinesa to put himself on a – he's not in Chase Young's territory. Chase Young's on his own island. He's got a bunch of dead offensive tackles around him that he's, like, sitting on top of. It's a raft. Of. It's, it's bad. Yeah, it's a yeah, raft. Yeah, just... Cole Van Lannon, a big part of that raft. A.J. Epinesa has an opportunity to go against Van Lannon, put up similar production, have a similarly dominant performance to kind of push himself back into that conversation. Like, dude, I'm pretty good, too, because yeah. you know, everyone's talking Chase Young. I think this is a huge opportunity for him to you know, boost his draft stock. Yeah, we need to see – we just need to see Epinesa have a, have a nice game against a nice tackle where he's you know, consistently beating him when he gets those opportunities. Uh, I, I hope you know, Iowa's up in this game, and yeah. so uh, Wisconsin has to pass. So they don't just run Jonathan yeah. Taylor all day. But, yeah, this is another one where – uh, Epinesa hasn't faced a ton of great tackles so far this year. So just to see that, uh, obviously Van Lannan not great uh, if you watch that Ohio State game. It, but he is will be drafted at some point whenever he does come out. So this is uh, – we just need to see a little more dominance from Epinesa is all, all I'll say. Let's go back to the SEC. Missouri at Georgia. Jordan Elliott, the defensive interior for Missouri. He's going against Solomon Kinley and Ben Cleveland who just went against Florida and had, had decent days, I would say. Mm-hmm. But I think Jordan Elliott has an opportunity to really demonstrate his pass rushing prowess because if he can beat some of these guys, you start to throw him on the map a little bit Yeah, more. this is the best guard tandem he'll face all year. Both guys, Kinley and Cleveland, going to be drafted in the NFL. Uh, but he's done a lot. Elliott's done a lot in terms of beating up uh, pretty poor offensive linemen. Two highest graded games this year as a pass rush came against Southeastern Missouri State and Troy. Uh, 
has been. I'm not saying he's been bad against good teams. His his lowest pass rushing grade uh, is has only had one pass rushing grade below 70 against a real team uh, this season. So and that was West Virginia. Uh, so I, it's not like he's been necessarily bad, but I just want to see it if he can just be solid against a good guard tandem. I, I think you feel a lot better about his projection, but. He's a do-it-all sort of defensive tackle. The only guy in the country right now with a pass rushing grade over 90 and a run defense grade over 90 at the defense tackle position. That's a, that's a double 90 runner. Uh, triple 90 if you count as an f- overall oh, grade. Oh, my goodness. Triple 90. What a way to end the What's on Tap segment. We are now going to dive into our top rookies to watch in the NFL in Week 10. This is going to be a good one. we got to start here. Top rookies to watch. Eric McCoy, the center for the New Orleans Saints. Mm-hmm going against Grady Jarrett, who has been, who was very good to start this year. He kind of you know, was a little bit quieter as the Falcons continued to lose games. Mm-hmm. But Grady Jarrett going against Eric McCoy, this is a huge test for McCoy. Yeah, McCoy has been the best rookie center in the NFL so far this year, probably, and it has not really been that close. But Grady Jarrett has some quicks, lines up on the nose, a good deal there for the Falcons. Not going to see him every single time. Uh, but it's something like uh, around 30 to 40 percent of his snaps he will line up on the nose, and especially in pass rushing situations as well. So he gets a he gets a guy who McCoy very athletic, Jared very athletic. It's kind of a strength on strength matchup. I just think it's a, a nice eval piece for McCoy, who uh, is very much outplaying even where he was drafted so far this year. Another big matchup to watch is going to be Ryan Finley, the rookie quarterback, <laughs> the rookie from NC State that is getting the start ahead of Andy Dalton this week against the Baltimore Ravens secondary that has a ton of talent. And that Baltimore Ravens defense blitzes a ton. I think they're going to throw the kitchen sink at this kid, and he's going to be throwing into the wolves of Earl Thomas, Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, a healthy Jimmy Smith now. like This is this is going to be a very tough start for him. And I was talking on a, on a radio hit here in Cincinnati about this is one of the worst like situations you could start because yeah. I think the, the Bengals offensive line is the worst in football. We can all say that. Mm-hmm. Jonah Williams being hurt did not help things. And now Ryan Finley, who did not play well under pressure at NC State, is going to be under pressure a ton, facing blitzes against very good man corners and a, and a safety in Earl Thomas that is rangy in the deep middle of the field. That's going to be. I think he's going to finish with two picks in this game. Ryan Finley, if he doesn't have a good game, it's not over. But don't expect great things from the guy this year. I'll just say I had the Ravens. I picked him up in every all my fantasy leagues. This oh, year. Wow. We're going to go fancy advice right now? I'm just saying. <laughs> that's how I feel about Ryan Finley's chances of succeeding this week in his first start as a rookie. Just because that Ravens defense is so good. Marcus Peters is so good at baiting opposing quarterbacks. The dude baited Russell Wilson into that pick six. His they first were, pick, too. Yeah, they were in-man coverage on that play. He fades off on a slot. Uh, wheel route. He faded off of his guy, who was the outside receiver, on the sw- slot wheel route and jumped back as he saw Russell Wilson cocking the throw onto his man who was in the flat. I love Just, Marcus Peters. He he is a risk taker, but against a rookie QB. How many biscuits uh, usually, does he get, though? He risks say, it, but he gets so many biscuits. Exactly. Marcus Peters is such a game changer. And I mean, so, a ball hawk. They play a lot of man, a lot of cover three, uh, and you just have so much talent there now in that Ravens secondary that it does not look doesn't look like a great matchup. The Bengals are getting AJ Green back though, They're, and that helps. Tyler Boyd's still there. Mm-hmm. Auden Tate has made a handful of contested catches, but uh, again, I, I think it comes back to the offensive line. The Bengals haven't been run, been able to run the football all year long because the offensive line's bad. Mm-hmm. They've been under pressure a ton. Andy Dalton had the fastest time to throw before he got benched in the NFL because Zach Taylor because Zach Taylor <laughs> wants it to be. He yeah. wants him to put in position well, where he's getting well, the ball out quickly. because Dalton didn't want to die. Also. It, also, yeah. I mean, he's sparing his life there. Ryan Finley, 
I mean, might as well pour one out for him right now because it's not <laughs> going to be. It's not going to be preemptive. A, pour one out. Preemptive pour one out because it's just not going to be a, a, a good start for him, mm-hmm. in my opinion. That's where I see it going. Yeah. Let's go, Byron Murphy, the Arizona cornerback from Washington, Marcus Peters, DBU. Um, Going against Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receivers who rank Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Both have top five PFF receiving grades right now. Bigger receivers going against That's a smaller thing. Byron Murphy. And Byron Murphy has played well in bursts. He has a handful of force incompletions. I think he mm-hmm. leads rookies in force incompletions. But this is not an easy matchup, man. you got some big, high-performing receivers coming your way in Arizona. That, that's the biggest thing is that Godwin and Evans are horses. Those mm-hmm. are big-ass Monsters. wide receivers that you just... <laughs> They're going to out-physical, and we've seen Byron Murphy lose just because of pure physicality at points in time this year. He's 5'11", 190. He is on the small end of the cornerback position. And I thought, I thought they might you know, try to just make him one of those, uh, every time you're nickel, he's the slot guy. If you're in base, he's outside. But as soon as, you know, like Chris Harris is in Denver, uh, as soon as you go to nickel, he's slot. He hasn't really done that this year. Only, only something like uh, 47 slot snaps all year long on 631. So he's not playing the slot, really. Only moves there uh, rarely. So... He will be going up against Evans. He will be going up against Godwin. Dude. Uh, it's just a tough matchup. But, but you want to see him fight, at least. We saw him have a nice rep against DK Metcalf earlier in the year, who's a physical freak in his own right. So uh, hopefully he holds up. I'm, I'm not too not, not too enthused mm-hmm. about his chances, though. I want to throw in a, a little extra uh, rookies-to-watch matchup here. Mm-hmm. Gardner Minshew, Minshew versus the bench. Because he's just not going to handle it well. Okay, this guy's been you know chopping at the bit playing the NFL. He's going to see Foles throw a pick or two, uh, and he's going to he's going to want to come into this game. He might you know, Jack Daniels in hand take over for Nick Foles. So I wouldn't be surprised if they got in a fight in the locker room at halftime. He takes back his job. But Gardner Minshew, I don't see him that matchup with the bench. Him handling it well, I think he he dominates that one this week. Uh, I don't know. He's he's a he's he's a team player though. He he saw on the bench a good deal. He was gonna <laughs> he was thinking about going to Alabama just to be a backup as and a then eventually like yeah. graduate assistant as well. Yeah, yeah. That's that's right. Well, so, you know what? I still don't think he's going to be super happy about it. Yeah, he was in that. He was in this Jags team. Minshew Mania was in full force, and they pulled. Yeah. They they gave him the hook. Um, realistically, though, Brian Burns, a Carolina edge defender out of uh, Carolina Panthers, going, coming out of Florida State, first round pick for them. He's going against some very good. Green Bay Packers offensive tackles and David Bakhtiari and Justin Bulaga, uh, not Justin Bulaga, Brian, uh, Brian Bulaga. Um, Brian Burns has had a good year this year. It hasn't been Nick Bosa levels. Mm-hmm. I mean, it hasn't even really been Josh Allen levels from a pass rush win rate perspective, but he still had a good year. He has proven that he can win as a pass rusher in the NFL. How do you see this matchup going so, with David? An interesting thing about Brian Burns that really hasn't gotten talked about, so he hasn't been great over the last handful of weeks. He has something like four pressures uh, in his last three games. Uh, excuse me, no, five pressures in his last four games has not been great. But they switched him from left end to right end. Like, they switched positions on him. Wow. He was left end majority of his career uh, at Florida State, I'm pretty sure. Uh, goes here, was dominating early on in the season. Had uh, had uh, 18, 17, 16 pressures his first four games playing left outside linebacker, left defensive end, mostly rushing against right tackles. They switched him in week five, or switched him midway through week four. Week five, he's been rushing off right against left tackles and just hasn't been good. Like he, they, they flipped the script on him, and he just has not been as productive. Going up against David Bakhtiari this year, if he's staying at right end, I, I don't think he's going to be productive. Bakhtiari is the best pass protecting tackle in the NFL. I'm not sure why they did that, but they did that, and he hasn't been, he has not responded well. It's a said flip. 
of script. That is unfortunate, but they're doing it because they have to get Bruce Irvin at his favorable position on the left end. They just needed to get him there, tip picking on right tackles, take advantage of that mess, mismatch. No, that's that's yeah. very interesting. That's a good nugget to pull out of that one. Let's go to Quinn and Williams, who is really Dude, underwhelmed for the New York Jets. He's a guy that was an absolute PFF butte. I'm going to call him a PFF butte. In the PFF's, in PFF's grading system, he graded really well before his breakout year at Alabama and then earned one of the highest interior defensive line grades we've ever given to mm-hmm. an interior defensive lineman, Quinton Williams, but has not had a great start to his NFL career, and he's going against the Giants' interior offensive line this week. That could, could, could give him problems. Yeah, he's had six pressures on 155 pass rushing snaps. That's, that's bad. Yeah. It's like, that's not good. When we thought he was <laughs> NFL ready, I'm, I'm just going to say it, though. I'm going to blame Greg Williams. It's, this has to be Greg Williams' fault. The fact that he took Miles Garrett last year and told him he can only do two pass rushing moves. Quinton probably can only do one. Quinton probably doesn't have the op- They're probably telling him don't even rush the passer in that defense. I don't know why because I, don't, I do not believe that Quinton Williams could be this neutered even against NFL-level talent. He was so, so dominant in Alabama. Looks like a completely different player right now. I think maybe he's I – don't, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but it just uh, – I'm blaming Greg Williams. Yeah, I think that's fair. Maybe they're telling Quinn Williams, like, hey, man, you can only use your left hand to be pass rusher. He's like, all right, man, I don't know if that's going to work, but we'll give it a shot. Maybe he's on a leash, a leash brought on by Greg Williams. Um, that's going to do it for our rookies to watch. I threw in a little Gardner Minshew versus the bench there, but you a can't lot of, stop talking about I know, that guy. I, I can't. I will, and I won't. Like, <laughs> and I just simply won't. And um, but there are some a lot of ton, fun matchups to watch. I'm, I'm looking forward to Ryan Finley against Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. That will be very good. But that's going to do it for 2 for 1 Drafts. Uh, this has been Austin Gale Mike Renner. Remember, you can see us on YouTube Tuesdays and Thursdays. We're also on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. A lot of good stuff. But uh, make sure to tune in next week after the Tua Burrow Bowl. A lot of good things here. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. But again, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, 2 for 1 Drafts.